And hello, good afternoon, and welcome. Another stellar edition of The Drive underway here on Fan Run Radio. Sorry we're late. Just trying to clean up Talk Sports' mess here. I, I kind of feel like we can't blame all of Talk Sports. This is one person in particular that's a member of Talk, and I hate to do it to him. I've never put him on blast. It's Cam's fault, isn't it? God, I don't want to do it to Cam. Cam's like my favorite person at the station. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I feel like everybody treats him with kid gloves. Let's rip Cam. Cam, what are you doing, man? You're How long lazy, have you worked here? You're weak. <laughs> How long have you worked here, bro? Like you just going to turn down the headphone knob and just leave it like that? Well, seeing those two poor, goobs don't know it because they don't wear headphones. Well, poor Cody's over here like, what's wrong with this thing? I don't know. It's not working. And it's like. Cam's Cam's screwing you over, big man. I mean, why would why would you turn down that knob? Nobody ever touches that knob. I don't know, really, man. It's like oh, pressing the red button. I'm glad you said something because I I thought my headphones were broken. I was like, why can't I hear anything? I'm trying to fix it, and then you said it. I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one. Yeah, always. If you don't have anything in your headphones, I know immediately where to look. It's bad. It's a bad start right there. That's all right. Well. Hope everybody's doing well. MLK Day edition of the show. Hopefully you've all taken some time to, or at least are planning to take some time to ponder and reflect on the achievements and legacy of MLK, what he stood for, what he died for, and how far we've come, how far we have to go. Hope everybody is doing well this afternoon. Have we... Bear, have we processed and come to terms with the fact that our beloved volunteers on Saturday suffered one of the more devastating regular season basketball losses in recent memory? I that really? You think it was devastating? One of the more devastating regular season nah. basketball losses in recent memory. Yes, it absolutely was. Name, name a regular season basketball loss that hurt worse than Saturday. Uh, Vanderbilt, when we were number one for like 72 hours. That's, that's what I'm saying. That was 15 years ago. <laughs> it's been a minute. I, I don't know, man. Like 30 minutes after we got off voluntary reaction, I had... Uh, you had snapped and cleared 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I had a little uh, bit of I had a lot of stuff going on this weekend. I was a little distracted, but you know. Well, I I, I think you are in the minority, my friend. I you know just judging from the social media reaction that spilled into yesterday that is still going on today. I've had to mute some conversations on my timeline. It's just three and out. They were they were beside themselves. I mean, it, it, it's hard, man. It, it They titled the first hour of their show Misery Monday. Overreact much? Those three? I, I'm not going to come at them. I'm not going to come at them. Oh, I, I, I'm, going at, I, I'm hey, going at one of them. I, I like this that you are striking the it doesn't bother me that much stance. Like, that. that's fine. I'm I mean, not, I'm not, I'm not, nobody likes losing to Kentucky. I, I understand. I understand. But. But everybody I, thought we it's were the kind of loss, it. though. It's not just one loss, right? It's it's a loss that I think, first of all, like people are projecting into the future, like that felt like a Rick Barnes NCAA tournament loss, and it brings up, you know, the the, the question is, how do you define success and enjoy the season in an era 
when postseason success is not to be expected. Which, I mean, we've we've been over this, right? This is the Rick Barnes experience here at Tennessee. I, I don't expect to do well in the NCAA tournament. Do you? With our current head coach? Eh, not really. So, the regular season is what we have, right? I mean, that that's where we're supposed to get our jollies. And if... And if it doesn't work out in the regular season, then that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yes, Marcus. Give you a quick uh, would you rather. If I told you that you would go to a Final Four, but you'd get swept by Kentucky, do you think you could stomach that? Hell yeah. Oh, absolutely. Stomach it? Final Four? Absolutely. Russell might give up his firstborn for a Final Four. You never know with him. Have you been paying attention to what we talk about when we talk about the Final Four? I'm we want to go there. I know, but it's one of those things where like, it's The only it's person tough. in this building who might make some kind of – might be upset with that is me. Because I'm insane. I'm not – me. Like, if we beat Alabama every year, I don't care if we ever win any other football game. So Bear says, yes, I would absolutely – yes, we, I would absolutely make that trade, but it would really piss me off. Our first glimpse into the fevered mind of Bear this afternoon, this week here on the show. Here's a, I mean, there's a, a couple of problems I see going forward. And have the new polls come out yet, Marcus? Do we know where we're at? How far did yeah, we tumble? We are at, I believe we dropped to nine. Okay. Okay. Four Big spots. Big deal. So we're still in the top 10. Yeah. We had but a bad day. There are a couple of, we had a very bad day. I mean, are, are you here's are, are you willing to just write it off as one bad day, or do you think that there are some alarms, some some problem areas where you're like, no, that that's what's going to do us in right there? Well, yeah, it's the same thing that did us in against Michigan. We went cold from three, and they were willing to let play. They would they didn't double Plosvich. They just let him do his thing. They were willing to give him. Uh, 19 points. The, the the big difference, Kaysen Wallace shut Ziegler down. Um, Ziegler got in foul trouble, and what I've, you know, several, a lot of people have noticed it. We don't have a true backup point guard right now. No. And that reared its head. No. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I think that is one of the issues that <laughs> we're dealing with. Sorry, I was out. You all right there? No. <laughs> Get your drink I of water. Was, um, Get your well, drink I, of water. I brought tea today because – Yesterday, I spent a lot of time outside burning off brush. We had a lot of sticks and stuff just in the backyard. I thought you live in the city. I don't. Oh. I'm a county dweller. And uh, so so I got to I gotta burn my own stuff, man. It's a, just a constant process. And so I spent like all day yesterday just breathing in smoke and stuff. And so I'm a little scratchy. But all right. anyway, a couple problems I see. One, talked about this on Voluntary Reaction. There's like a lack of a go-to guy when it gets crunch time, when things get rough, when the bullets are flying and you don't know what to do. Like there's, I don't know, who who is it? You can make the argument for a couple of guys. And it's interesting because we were talking about this with Justin Ganey on the show last week. And, you know, I was making the point that maybe that could be an advantage. And he was saying, yeah, we've got a couple of different guys that can step up. But Saturday, when 
we absolutely had to have it. Nobody could deliver. And you had Ziegler and Triple J missing point-blank layups when we absolutely had to have them. Vescovi missing the front end of a one-on-one situation. And uh, I think that could be an issue going forward is, like, what happens, you know, when, when, when they are clamping down on us? When it is late in the shot clock and we have a buck, we have to have a bucket. Who are we going to? And I, I don't think we have that guy. I think we just have a system, and whoever's open takes the shot. And I think you look at great teams throughout history. Historically, they have a guy. Yeah, uh, there was something that occurred to me, and I was talking with a, a really good friend of mine. We were chatting back and forth about the game, and. Uh, my buddy Matt, and he raised a really good point to me, and I, I can't say that it hadn't crossed my mind. We looked dead-legged on Saturday. Shots weren't going in. Here's just I didn't notice theory. that. I didn't notice that. Here, Barnes here, working him too hard. Got pissed after that yeah. horrendous defensive showing and burn him up at practice that absolutely happened i mean and th- and that's been happening for his entire career that's the way he co- that's not changing man like this team works harder than any other team in college that, that's why we always flame out in the tournament because we're out yeah. of gas you've yeah. got to manage your you got to manage your team's leg you got to manage the kids legs their minutes you got to make sure you got gas in the tank well, at the end of the year man our, our starters play less minutes than most team starters now do we practice more? I know for a fact there, there's uh, one guy, and I've heard this from, from several guys, but I, uh, one of the players who left the program after last season wasn't a lazy kid, wasn't a lazy player. It mm-hmm. was just too much for him. And, and one of the criticisms I heard uh, through the great five was this young man was just like, game day was too much because they spend like eight hours before the game just getting ready like you got to get there and you're watching film and you're getting shots up and you're eating your meal and you're getting taped and like and this particular player just said like it was too much for him like he felt like by the time the game started he was tired he was spent yeah huh and like that's a I mean I think people are just cut different like I, I don't think it's a problem for some of our guys I think it's just one of those things it's not for everybody it's really hard work you wouldn't believe it if you saw it and it takes a special kind of mentality and and player to play for rick barnes but even the kids that are cut out for it it definitely i think it has an effect on them but i don't think he's gonna change so no he's not and we're gonna win um probably in the mid-20s wouldn't you think we'll have mid-20s wins between 23 and 25, yeah, somewhere in there. It, it, it's trending that way. A couple other things here here real quick, and then Trey Wallace is going to join the festivities. So uh, my first problem, lack of a go-to guy. Uh, the second problem I see, and, and you kind of hit on this, is lack of another point guard. The two best teams of the Barnes era had like a double-headed monster, right? You had the Jordan Bone, Lamonte Turner, Mm-hmm. Uh, where those two guys were your point guards, and then oftentimes at the end of the game, they would both be on the floor at the same time. Last year, similar situation. You had Kennedy Chandler and Zakai Ziegler, and they could spell each other at the point, and then in crunch time, they would oftentimes be on the floor together. 
Ziegler is the guy. He comes off the bench. You've got Key playing a little bit of point. He never plays point in crunch time. Vescovy and Triple J have point guard skills. They can bring the ball up the floor, good passers, whatever. But there seems to be a lack of role definition as far as what we're doing at point guard. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe the definition is Key starts, Ziegler finishes. Maybe that's what it is, but that feels weird. It just feels a little bit strange. I think that I can't – I know you feel the same way, Bear, and I think some of our fans feel the same way as well. Well, yeah, it, just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me if you're clear-cut number one point guard – what what bothers me about this is this all goes back to that Colorado game yep. where <laughs> Zakai Ziegler got singled out when everybody on that team played like hot garbage. But I feel like Zakai took the lion's share of the blame for that game, and now we're ending up in a place where we've got our point guard. Who the hell else has their point guard coming off the bench? Um, I, I'm sure it – there's an example, but they're mm-hmm. few and far between. So, my my last criticism, and this is tough love, man. We're we're being hard on the coach. We're being hard on some of the players. We love them. They're still a top ten team. We just want it so badly. And I'm sure that the criticisms, the discussions they are having internally behind closed doors are. Um, much more pointed and much more productive than the ones that we're, we're going to have here this afternoon. One last thing. One last thing. It's not my style to pat myself on the back and say I told you so. You guys know this about me. It's well documented. Been we doing do. this for 12 years now. Everybody knows it. But that being said, what have I been saying all season long, all preseason, all all the beginning of the season? What one player on this team have I been saying? is the key more so than anybody else. Josiah Jordan James. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, no, no. How many times have I said it? Marcus, do you, you don't know either. He's got no clue. I'm Camwa. Yeah. Camwa is the key. I have been banging and banging and banging the strum all season long. And not only does he not perform well the other night, two points and two rebounds, like he doesn't perform. No, literally, he doesn't perform. Like he's only out there 13 minutes because he's playing so badly that Rick Barnes doesn't trust him. He's he's sending a message. So when the guy who I am firmly convinced, and people can argue that that's fine, but my opinion has been and continues to be that Olivier Camois is the key to this team. When he's only out there 13 minutes as a coach's decision, to me, that tells you all you need to know. There's no doubt in my mind, he's averaging, I think, if, if you go back since his rough start, I, I would love to see his numbers in SEC play. Um, he's got to be averaging about 16 points, eight rebounds a game in SEC play. If he goes for 14 points, instead of two, we win. There's 14, another 14 points is, isn't some Mm-mm. you know monumental achievement out there. It's s- certainly something you can be expecting out of a player who is in his fourth year playing for this coach has been playing very well of late, and uh, I'm not 
putting it all on him, even though it sounds like I kind of am because I guess I kind of am. But that was that was disappointing. There was another, and uh, we need to. Right, let's break. take a quick timeout. Trey Wallace of Outkick joins us when we continue on the drive. We'll get his thoughts on the disaster at Thompson Bowling Assembly Center and Arena on Saturday. Where does this team go from here? Plus, we look ahead to uh, spring practice. Can you believe it? It's like eight weeks away. Is that all? Yeah, man. Wow. Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Stay with us. The drive continues right here on Fan Run Radio. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Welcome back. Trey Wallace of Outkick standing by on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Good afternoon, Trey. How are you, sir? I'm good, boys. I'm good. Just uh, enjoying a Monday and uh, realize Third Eye Blind will be coming to Knoxville in the spring. So it's been a good day. Okay. You got your tickets already? Not yet. They haven't gone on sale yet, but they're going to play at the uh, the old Millen Mine. So it should be fun. I wonder if they uh, have got their restraining order ready to go on you, Trey. <laughs> Can you I get, don't know. Are you going to be able to get on the bus? Is that your your uh, goal, to get on the bus and hang with the guys from Third Eye Blind? I, you know, maybe a beer. Have a beer or two. You know, we'll see what happens. I don't think these guys are, uh, you know, putting back the cold ones like they used to, maybe. Wasn't that guy like a meth addict or something? Well, yeah, that's how the song Semi-Charm Life came about. Hmm. Mm. I didn't realize that's how I grew up, what that song was about. <laughs> yep, look at that. March 14th, Knoxville, Tennessee, an evening with Third Eye Blind. You can be there. Free plug here this afternoon on the drive. Trey, what happened Saturday, man? We're, we're trying to make <laughs> – Usually when we have these devastating losses, like I could take a step back and pinpoint a couple of things. And we went through a list of things there at the beginning of, of our show today. It's it's hard to – I mean, so much went wrong. Is it one of those things that's just perfect storm, you throw it out the window, don't worry about it, just one of those days? Or are there a couple of problems that this team is going to have to address if they don't want to have another early exit from the tournament? I'm just very curious to see what they do with the backup you know, point guard position and how that impacts the team. Like, you know, they go on these on these dry spells, you know, on offense where it doesn't either, A, you know, are they not running what Rick Barnes was um, expecting them to, to run on the court? Are they not, you know, it, it, it just doesn't feel like if Euros is your, your leading scorer, and it's not going to be a good day. They're not. They didn't get much from the perimeter. Um, I don't think they attacked the basket as they should. And when they did, you know, they couldn't hit a layup. Um, so it's it, you know you you play good defense, but then you're still having problems on the offensive side. I don't I don't think it's something that you have to worry about. I think down the road, I think you know they just they just weren't shooting well. Um, and, and it just feels like a squad right now that um, I think they're still trying to figure out what Triple J's role is going to be within this offense as well. I, I think that's something too. Once they once they once they figure that out, once he gets going, I think this basketball team 
is going to be really good. I think they are good, but I think they can be really good. But um, it's it, it just been a, a winding road of the last couple of weeks trying to figure out what the bench is going to look like when they come in. Well, I think it's important not to overreact, right? I mean, it's your first loss yeah. in um, months, I, I guess, your, your second loss of the season. Um, so it, it's important not to just panic at this point. But I also think that you're you're always looking ahead, right? You're always looking for problem spots where they have to get better. We'll see where this team goes. We'll see where Kentucky goes too. We were talking during the break. Uh, you know, do do they get better now? Is that what they needed to kickstart their season and live up to their potential? But one thing that strikes me, Trey, is you're talking about what is Triple J's role. He's one of several people. Where Tennessee, it, it's not a common, you know, sometimes one of your best players doesn't start. You bring him off the bench. But Tennessee's got a situation where the lineup they want on the end of the court is very different, right, from the lineup they start with. So I think it's like just like three guys, right? I mean, Urosh typically isn't out there, even though he was hot the other night. Um, Ziegler is usually your point guard. And now you've got Triple J. So. They've got to figure out their rotations, right? Well, that I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. Who's your two two guys that are going to come off the bench at the first break, or is it going to be three? You know, I mean, it, it, you know, are you? Is this something where you know Zakai comes off the bench? Let's just say you know, along with Triple J at the moment before things roll like that's always been the biggest thing to me is Rick Barnes being able to figure out, you know, the two and three guys that, that he knows he's going to be able to rotate, you know, in that first media timeout or, uh, or, or when he thinks, you know, things aren't really flowing well, uh, especially down the paint. Like that, that's always been something that has stood out to me. I think for Tennessee right now, you know, you, you look at, who you have, you know, and, and who do you bring out? Do you bring out a Julian Phillips or, you know, what, what is going to be Tyree Key's role, you know, when, when, while he's on the court, but then also, okay, who you bringing in that's going to be able to make up some points. Like I, I just, I just feel like Rick Barnes is, you know, not, not shuffling with the lineup or anything like that, but I do think there's times where you're trying to match things up coming off the bench and Russ Bear, I, I just maybe there maybe there's a different rotation out there that we could see um, because right now you're trying like you've got the you know in, in the enforcer you know in, in Euros down in the paint and, and he's rebounding and thank God he's not bringing the ball down anymore he's kind of going up with it but you you got to figure out what's going to be your, your second and your third rotation. And I, and I just wonder, you know, is that going to come with more time and trying to figure out this lineup or, or are they just going to have to roll with, you know, what they have? Like to me, I mean, how many times on Saturday did we see, you know, was, was, was Vescovy bringing the ball up, you know, and then, okay, you turn around where was Zakai tries to bring a ball. I mean, there were times Tyree key, you know, was bringing the ball up on Saturday against Kentucky. I'm thinking, okay, all right, you know, he, he's more of a shooting guy. You know, maybe they try to, to bring him off, you know, a pick or whatnot, and you try to get to the paint too. I I, I don't know, man. I, I'm trying to, to, to decide which person is right. 
to be able to run this type of offense. And, you know, I, I, th- I still think they're looking for more out of Sakai Ziegler. Um, so it, it's kind of a, a tricky spot that Barnes is in because he has the players. I just I feel like he's got to get the rotation down. Um, and, and especially when you know teams are going to try to attack the paint, you know, against Olivier, against Euros, and you're going to have to figure out, okay, who's going to be the sacrificial lamb here. I, there, there are a couple different ways that could go, Russ. I, I just feel like, you know, maybe he starts nailing it down or he cuts some minutes back from other guys, and if he does, we'll see how that works out. Trey Wallace of Outkick with us this afternoon. Basketball's back in action tomorrow night, 7 p.m. against Starkville, against Mississippi State huh. in Starkville. Uh, Tennessee, of course, beat them 87-53 to a couple weeks ago here in Knoxville. So we'll see if Tennessee can sweep that season series. Trey, look at it elsewhere around this league. Um, this situation in Alabama is yeah. absolutely tragic. And uh, you don't want to minimize the human impact of this. That's that's an awful thing that happened and an awful thing for anybody from a, a sports team to be involved with. Um, but just looking at it from the basketball angle, I mean, they clearly established themselves as the team to beat in the SEC after Tennessee lost to Kentucky and uh, they hammered LSU over the weekend. I mean, Alabama head and shoulders, I think right now, we would all agree, is the best team in the conference this is a major distraction. I mean, you, you've had a player charged with capital murder. That is not something that any team in this league has ever dealt with. How do you see Nate Oates and the Crimson Tide moving forward with this cloud hanging over them for the foreseeable future? I mean, he talked about it a little bit ago. He wasn't going to get in-depth with it and stuff like that. He said his you know, his previous absences, and, and we're talking about various miles here, his previous absences and nothing – there was, there was no relation to what was going on now. So pretty much he's saying that he, he wasn't taking a, a mental health break or anything like that, you know, when he was away from the team for a little bit. Um, I I don't see how it's not. You know, like like you break it down, you know, this is a college basketball team where you got 12 guys, 13 guys at the most, um, and, and you're around this player, you're – you're practicing every day. Some are, you know, hanging out, having dinner. I mean, and all of a sudden this happens. I, I, I don't know about, you know, distraction when it comes to, to getting in the game. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a very weird couple of weeks for Alabama players. Um, I think that whenever you have something like this and I could, I couldn't remember, I had to go back. I think, I guess, I don't think Baylor, was the last time I think there was another instance before the Baylor incident, um, but I was trying to think of the last time we, we saw something like this, or somebody on a player was convicted of a crime like this and, and had to step away. But it's also that like that that stark reminder as well. It's like, wow, wait a minute, okay, you know, we're we're practicing with this kid and we're practicing with our friend, and all of a sudden now he's you know having a capital murder charge. Like that's stuff they're going to have to get over. And and I don't know I don't know how that translates to the basketball court. I'm sure Nate Oates is, you know, bring, bringing in or has somebody there that can talk try to talk with players through this. I mean, I, but I, but I I do think it's a I, I do think it's a distraction, Russ, just in in the sense of 
when we talk about Alabama basketball over the next couple of weeks, you know, there's going to be a lot coming out about, okay, you know, this guy's pre-trial hearing and, you know, why this went down in Tuscaloosa. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be difficult. I mean, it, it's, they were friends. There was probably a lot of guys on that team that, that, that hung out together. So, I mean, you know, how he's been there three years as well. So it's not, it's not like he's a freshman just showing up on campus, doesn't really have a relationship with anybody like this guy's been around. So I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see what this basketball team looks like when they come out, I guess, Tuesday or Wednesday and play this week and, and how that transitions. But it can't be easy, man. And then, you know, you got you to gotta think of Nate Oates and the coaching staff, too, trying to put all this together. Um, you know, it's just I, – I don't know, man. I've had a hard time trying to come up with other – other instances like this and 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 this is kind of a first uh for me you know trying to look at a basketball team and see what they're going to be like you know with one of their players you know sitting in a jail cell and he's facing life or death you know in the state of alabama for what he did it's just such a senseless act but um i don't know i I think i think nate oates is going to have to be more of a you know, a, a, a father figure than he is a basketball coach at the moment. So it's that's tough, man. That's a weird story as well. Yeah, I mean, you had the situation with uh, Patrick Dennehy and Malik Dotson at right. Baylor. Yeah. I mean, that's 20 years ago, and that team was so far off the national radar. And again, like not to minimize the human impact of it, it, it sounds callous to be talking about you know, basketball when you're talking about the loss of life here. But, um, I mean, we are a sports radio show, so we're we're looking at that. I mean, the that Baylor team was not very good, as I recall. And this, no. This is an Alabama team that has Final Four-type potential, and and now that's been it, thrown into uh, – I mean, it's it's it, not it, over. It, they, they still do. No. Like, he wasn't playing much for them, and he was going to be out for the season anyway. But still, I mean, that's just something that will – you don't snap and clear from, right? I mean, it's it's going to be a constant. No, 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 no. You can't snap and clear from it. You can't get that out of a you know an eighteen to twenty one year old's head. You know, trying to deal with that. It's, there's nothing that they're going to be able to say. You know, besides letting these guys talk if they need to talk or, or to a mental health expert or something along those lines. It's just you know, man. It's been a weird. 48 hours, and I, I hate to say just like around the SEC, but, you know, you, you had the tragic passing um, yeah. of, 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 of Dylan this past weekend, a staffer, you know, at, at Georgia, you know, and then, and then this happened. It's it just been the ups and downs around the conference have been put on full display this weekend, and, you know, like all the prayers go out to what's going on at Georgia right now. And uh, and you got to be thinking about you know the players and friends and and whoever's associated with this person at, at Alabama. It's just man, um, a lot of stuff. And I know that area uh, pretty well down there, the strip where that happened in Tuscaloosa. And and I, you know, it's surprising because you don't see that type of violence or anything like that. And you know you you wonder what's sitting somebody over the edge. Uh, for for that to happen, they said um, the the people in the car like fired back, like a damn shootout broke out or something, all because of some sort of petty misunderstanding at the club. Yeah, well, 
and, and there's a, there is a, you know, and I, I don't like going off, I'm not going to go off Facebook or anything. I hate to do that, but like, I think the mother had posted something on Facebook oh, you know, a little bit ago that something along the lines of, you know, took the life of my child because she wouldn't talk to him. Yeah. No, so I, you're like, wait a minute, what? You know what I mean? It, it's just, uh, you, you would hope it's not petty like that, but yeah. So there was back and forth. I mean, they, they allegedly shot their spouse and them shot into a vehicle. Um, uh, the, the victim his her friend struck back, you know, uh, shot back at him. Um, and, and it just turns into a nightmare scenario now. So, you know, a, a lot more is going to come out of this because how quick they found him. I think that's like the key too. like they, you know, this thing happened at one forty-five Sunday morning, and he was found. You know that that you know, I don't know how many hours. I think it was six, seven hours later. So um, a lot more will come out of it. It's just bizarre. Um, you just you just don't see this man very often. Hey Trey, last thing we'll let you run uh, football-wise yeah, for Tennessee off-season workouts going on, everything like that. Guys get back to campus. You've got the junior day over the weekend. Sounds like that was a good lay the foundation moment for Tennessee with the class of 2024. What can you tell us about the tight end coaching job? It doesn't seem like Josh Heupel's in any great rush to fill the lone staff opening on his um, coaching staff. No, no, he's not. He's really not. Um, there have been a, a couple names. I don't feel comfortable throwing them out there I, I think but just because do I it to, do it when, I, when, uh, don't, be, well, you don't have to be comfortable do it let's get uncomfortable just, make it weird just, just, just don't hold out honestly, on us Trey Wallace I'm not just because honestly I don't know if these guys are are going to be uh in the running towards the end like a lot of people call I think that's the biggest thing you know they they see an opening they call you know my biggest thing even filling that spot you know, and I'm, I'm curious on y'all's thoughts too, because Tennessee has done this in previous years. You know, under under previous regimes. You know, do you go out and do you hire a straight up coach, a tight ends coach, or do you go out and hire yourself a recruiter who's also a decent tight ends coach? Like I think, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm very interested in seeing how that part plays out, like and how they add to the staff. Like that, that to me is the biggest thing because they could use another guy on the road. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, Tennessee's done a good job recruiting. Um, the, the transfer portal, I, I don't think they're done with. I think you're going to see something like they did after the, his, his first spring where they go out and they add a couple more players in the, in the spring period. But I, I am curious to see if, you know, they fill it with a regular coach or they, they go out and, you know, I mean, what they had, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, you had Niedermeyer, who was the tight ends coach, who didn't know a damn thing about tight ends and offense, and he, but he was your recruiter. So that's where you put him before switching him over to defense, which he knew. Um, you had Osevet as a tight ends coach at one time. Um, and then, you, you know, with Alex Golis, I, I thought Alex Golis did a really good job. Uh, with the tight ends that were there, so you know, but he, but he also you know was a a, a pretty strong recruiter. So you know, it, it's all going to come down to what Josh Heifel wants, and is that okay? Somebody that's going to be able to just come in, fill that role, be a tight ends coach, you know, take care of the guys that's got coming in, 
you know, Jacob Warren coming back, or do you go out somebody that is just a road grinder? And and I think that's going to be key for Heupel. So there's a look, there's a lot of momentum, I think, with Tennessee right now. I think it's um, after after the Orange Bowl, it's quiet momentum. You kind of like that, you know. You, you like things to be going in the right direction, but you don't need too much fanfare about it or anything along those lines. Um, and when players start reporting back over the next week or so, uh, Tennessee has like one of the latest start dates for classes uh, around the country. I mean, other schools have been in for you know four or five, six days now. Tennessee, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they don't start until next week. Um, so. You know, you get them in, you get your winter conditioning going on, and um, and then the coaching staff will be on the road uh, for this open period for the next, I think it's two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then you have the final signing day. So, you know, lots of, lots of stuff going on over there. Trying to – the biggest thing to, to me, uh, figure out who your leaders are going to be for 2023. Um, I, I think that's very key, and uh, that's what winter conditioning's for. And – Tennessee, you know, looking to, to up the ante next season. I don't think it'll be any kind of 11 wins or anything like that, but I do think the squad's good enough looking at that schedule, you know, to win nine games next year, and uh, maybe they surprise some folks again. We got, we got six months to talk about it, boys, and I look forward to it every day. All right, Trey, well, we'll let you go hop in that online queue for those third-eye blind tickets, my friend. I'm looking for Should I get y'all two? Do y'all, do y'all need a pair? Are y'all good? Is it a weeknight? It doesn't matter, Russ. We're I mean, I might go. Old. Like, are they just going to play their hits? They're not. They don't have like a new album or something. They're pushing. I would you know? rather clean my ears with a dental drill. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, bears out. So I'll go ahead and get a couple. We'll be good though. We'll see who joins in on the fray. Thank you, Trey. Appreciate you, my <laughs> friend. We will check in again with you soon. Thanks, boys. Have a great week. Trey Wallace of OutKick on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. All fan-run guests appear via the magic of the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. You can experience the magic of Big Orange Phillies at 6625 Maynardville Pike and Halls. Big Orange Phillies, they'll have the final wild card playoff game on tonight. Cowboys, Bucks. We'll talk about that one when we come back. Stay with us. You're listening to The Drive. More fan-run radio on the way. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. David on Twitter says, you hire a recruiter. You can watch a video on how to coach tight ends. <laughs> I don't know that I fully If Niedermeyer could do it, how hard could it really be? I mean, let's be honest. How was our tight end play <laughs> when Niedermeyer was here? Did he do I don't like, remember. I've tried to have anybody that. I mean, it didn't stand out as being particularly bad. It, it, the linebacker play stood out as being worse when he went over to that yeah, side. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, we had – I felt we like – We had, what, Dominant Woods-Anderson? He, like, he got him to the league. He didn't do anything because he wasn't developed in college. He got him to the league and he had a cup of coffee and boom, he was gone because he didn't have any coaching in college. Well, Unlike my guy – Number 88 in my program. <laughs> Number one in my heart, Russ. No offense, kid who's brother. Gonna, who's going to be your pet project in football now that Fant is matriculated? Now that, now that Prince, 
Princeton. Now that Princeton's gone. Uh, Princeton? Don't don't refer to him by his last name. You show some respect to Princeton. Yeah, it's Princeton Fant. Uh, I don't know. I'll I'll have to peruse the uh, peruse the, the depth chart. I'll have one. I promise you that. Ramel Keaton's in the running. Ramel is uh, you have been. He, he's I was, on your, I was always from the moment he got here. I've always been, been a, a big Ramel guy. Big Ramel guy. I see, he's a Beasley guy too. Yeah. I don't Are you more offense? No. 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 It there's no rhyme or reason to it. No. It's just weird. It's just it's random. Yeah. Some random thing. All right, let's go to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. He drinks from the keg of glory this afternoon, back from the brink, ladies and gentlemen. His program was on life support and they hit it with the paddles on Saturday at Thompson Bowling Arena. TJ, the Kentucky fan, leads us off today. What's up, TJ? Well, I have a feeling I'll get hung up on and pushed down the toilet real quick, so I'll be fast. Um, if I'm a Tennessee fan, though, I take that game with a grain of salt because let's let's be real. That's the way Kentucky was supposed to play the entire year. Um, I'm not saying we're going to win a title. I'm not even saying we're going to go to the Sweet 16, but Kentucky's a good team. Um, I do I, – I, one of your callers on voluntary action I do agree with. That's the way the rivalry is set up. If you look the past couple of years, oh, not even the past couple of years, but just in general, how many times has a Chris Lofton come into rough and dropped 40-something points? Or uh, a Jody Meeks gone into Thompson Bowling Arena and dropped 50-something points? Or how many times have we flip-flopped? The, the away team wins, at, uh, wins on the road and the home team chokes the bed. Like, this is just how it's set up. So I would not be one bit surprised if, Tennessee comes in a rough in a couple weeks and gets an eight-point win. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Like, this series is weird. And, I mean, people were – the old-timers were sounding the alarm bell on the overconfidence. I mean, so what do you think? Do you think your team, like, did they wake up Saturday or do you think that they will regress and that was kind of a one-hit wonder? No, I think they woke up. I think the South Carolina lost came at the worst time for Tennessee. Um, I think if the South Carolina game was after the Tennessee game, Tennessee may have trounced us. But that's the lineup that Kentucky fans have wanted all year. I mean, have Wheeler come in off the bench as their sixth man. Uh, you know, Kaysen Wallace, C.J. Frederick, uh, the guys that can shoot Antonio Reeves, and then have Livingston and Toppin share out at the four and Oscar at the five. That's what we've wanted all year. And of course against Tennessee, that's what we actually go with. And we outscored Tennessee. I think it was like 27 to 11 when that lineup was in. So if Cal is a hall of fame coach, he'll look at that and say, huh, maybe I need to play those guys more. Hey, so I'm just saying TJ, <clears throat> if you guys get it turned around and y'all have a big run in March or something like that, some of you guys going to owe Cal big apology. Just oh, saying. Hey, the whole damn fan base I'll, will. You guys are trying to run him out of Lexington. You're right. And, and look, you know, it, it's bad when it's bad. It's good when it's good. We're all fans. We've all been there. Um, but I will say this. I know that it's been a rough year this year. 
for the fans that want him out. And, yes, I've been one of those, too. After the South Carolina game, I was irate. But you cannot have him leave Lexington when he has five of the top 11 recruits coming in next year. Now, next year, if he does not do anything, at least a Final Four with your number one, number three, number six, number eight recruits in the nation, then you got to start thinking. All right, TJ. So, this this isn't over. This isn't over. There's We're so running back it back. And forth. We'll run it back here in a couple weeks. Stay we'll with see. us. Hour number two of the drive coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio.